Welcome to Talking in Stations. I am Manuel, News Chief for TMC, the Imperium News. Today we're going to talk to Arith from Goonsworm. He's our finance minister, so we're going to talk about a lot of deep-level financial economic structures inside of EVE, which will be very exciting. He's also a CSM member, and we'll get to him in just a second. But first, I want to say we're part of a marathon today for the loss of a fellow streamer, uh, Big Country. That's DJ Big Country. Uh, so we'll be doing that all Saturday and the weekend. I also want to say bonjour to NASA, uh, who's a friend of mine um, who is leaving the game soon to deal with his personal life, and we wish him the very best. And finally, I want to say hello to Latch of Fix Alliance uh, and his son, who both watch the show. Uh, okay, so let's uh, meet the panel and let's get on with the show. We'll start with Rivra. Hey, I'm Reva. I'm an editor at TMC, and I'm a station trader in Gita. Great. And today we also have Caleb. Yes, and uh, I am the proprietor of the Guardian and the founder of the SEC Lounge, and uh, I creep around in all the meta. All right, thanks, guys. Now I want to turn to our guest, Arith, from Goonswarm. He is our finance minister, head of the cabal that handles their finances. He's also a CSM member, one of the permanent members, which means he got the most votes of anyone. Of course, he was on the top ticket of the Imperium Coalition, which is a lot of people who are voting, and so that voting block put him at the very top. It doesn't matter, once you're into CSM, you're in, and this group has been working now for a few months. I'd say that Aerith has been one of the most effective CSM members if you read the minutes that were published a few weeks ago. Aerith will be on shortly. At this point, I want to say hello to my friend Nasa, who's leaving the game for health reasons. Uh, and I wrote a story about it called Nasagas Bump and the Origin of Matterall. And that is probably the strongest work I've ever put forward, most personal, clearly most emotional. Uh, it's a bittersweet story about him and how he has to leave the game. It's a story about priorities and also connection. I was a writer before I was a podcaster. I think this is probably the most powerful thing I've written. I would also point out that there is a beautiful eulogy written by Dirk McGurk about his friend and co-host of OpenCom's show, DJ Big Country, passed away earlier this week. Okay, let's get the show on the road. Unfortunately, we have technical problems because, uh, well, I'll explain that in just a second, but uh, this intro was recorded after the show was actually recorded. You'll see. stream because um, I'm confused as to how this marathon is going there what what they're doing this is a little programming note I hate to do this and break the flow of the program but uh, they're streaming to each person's private account instead of going on to the Matani I was prepared for the Matani I wasn't prepared with my own stream so uh, I wasn't even archiving this video which concerned me so we'll see we'll see if that works all right so ecosystem um... Everything about Eve has changed in the last six months. Um, the way, you know, I'll, I'll speak for Gooseworm here because I think we probably have the most robust sort of null model you know, for this sort of system and, and probably for the last few years. The way our economy functions is completely flipped 
Uh, it's mining. We've been mining now for months. Obviously, you can see from the economic graphs, as soon as we moved in, we immediately started mining because we knew, you know, that was the future. That's how you exploit uh, the density model with, you know, Phoebe solve that sort of thing. Right. But you got drilling platforms coming. You've got the engineering complexes finally arriving. Um, all of those change the economic model. All of those change mineral values. Drilling platforms are going to have a huge effect on the baseline economy just because you're going to take something that's a, a passive thing and you're going to make it an active thing, right? At least I, I assume so. We don't actually have all the details on drilling platforms, even the CSM yet. But it's pretty obvious that CCB has been thinking about active uh, goo harvesting now for a long time. So you're going to add that baseline M3 uh, logistical gathering to the baseline null economy, which right now is essentially just mining, right? There's no other activity besides maybe PI that you see, you know, an effortist ratio of people's effort, you know, that has infinite respawns, essentially, that can just keep mining things. Well, add goo to that and prices are going to change. And the question is going to be, what ratios does CCP go with on goo to minerals? And that's going to determine all you know, future economic, you know, issues from null to high sec and vice versa for the next couple of years, if they screw that ratio up, um, you know, internally, we think they're probably going to mess it up a little, but to be fair, sticking that landing is going to be pretty hard. Uh, if they get close, it'll be fine. Uh, but we're already seeing the dynamic of null mean everyone's mining. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've got systems with like 60,000 rats killed in 24 hours. So ratting is happening as well. But mining is the new hotness because it scales. Um, it, it's something that is very easy for people to get into. You know, it's something that we're going to be able to have alphas do very easily. It's definitely something that promotes density and teamwork. And if you warp into a you know an anomaly or a belt or whatever with you know thirty skiffs in it or hulks or whatever, you're going to die if you try to gank those people. It's just, the drone alone will just sodomize you, right? So you see you this. See kind of herd economy developing, uh, ECs are going to feed into that. You know, you're going to be able to see tax rates that were unthinkable and all. We already see this now with our current citadels where we have more income now, and this is going to be a little opposite thing. We have 50% more income already than we had in deck, and we haven't even rebuilt our economy fully yet. Like it, it's not even, it's still a pale shadow what we had in deck and we can't even tax mining. So, you know, economic activity breeds economic activity, right? You know, if, if a guy buys something in your market, he then builds something with it, and then he puts that back on the market, you're getting, you know, two, three, maybe four times you're taxed up that logistical chain of vertical integration, right? Well, that's changing null, where you don't need a lot of space, you just need a small amount of really good space, and preferably some moons in the, you know, for the next few months. But it's changed what you need. Like, it's enabling people to actually live in null, you know, produce in null, um, you know, make null their home without importing as much from GDA. You're starting to see that really start to change. And it's going to be good for the future of EVE, I think. You're going to start seeing these um, cities in null and, and, and economies in null that were never really possible for due to mechanics. Yeah, and, and, and that's really what I've been uh, quite impressed by, but uh, the whole way that it's been rolled out. And it, it seems as if it's really hard to predict anything. And of course, we're working on existing stockpiles and stuff, so, so we're not really getting the right numbers yet. Uh, it, it's felt as if every time I was trying to do some, some serious form of prediction, there was a new variable that was just kicked out from, from CCP, which basically made all the predictions wrong. So I've been kind of uh, hoping someone like you or similar would uh, comment on the bigger picture, uh, because I can't see where we're going uh, price-wise and, and 
the whole cycle of life thing because it's really different especially when all the structures uh, are going to be rolled out hopefully sometime next year right well, I think go ahead I think uh, as one of the things as well is that as Arith was saying mining is the new hotness and I think the uh, there's a lot of hype about the uh, raw calls as well at the moment with uh, their amount that they can uh, suck out per cycle so what I was going to throw in was uh do you think this will uh, screw with uh, the mineral market too much with the new uh, hotness that is going to be Whirlpool mining? In the short term, absolutely. So prices are actually fairly predictable if you have a lot of data. So one of the things that we excel at is we have a data warehouse and we have years of data in it. So we can we can extrapolate you know price projections. We can figure out models that okay if CCP tweaks this, you know this is going to happen. And really the, the whole secret to predicting the future in EVE is you pick the ways that CCP must fix something. And there's usually only two, three, four ways they can fix a given thing or change a given system. So you just predict what happens with all three. And then the moment you see what they're leaning towards, you can you can hit stuff. But as far as you know, mining and prices, yeah, in the very short term, it's having a very depressive effect on like say Zid and Mega. Uh, you know, there's a tremendous amount of mining going on right now. And that's before you know battle whirlpools come, which are going to be hilarious with those panic buttons. Hmm. Um, but you got to remember that come drilling platforms, you're going to have a whole reset of that baseline effort, isk an hour ratio, and null when goo presumably has to be active mined. And if that happens, it should correct much of what you're seeing. And then is it, is it NDA to comment on what was talked about in structures with uh, a rewamp of uh, Pocos? uh probably i don't know so i'll just stay away from like anything we don't have a lot of information beyond oh say january like past that it's basically just vapor because a lot of uh, criticism from uh from, from players i've talked to is that it feels as if uh, citadels are disconnected from each other right and and the connections were promised but we haven't heard anything more about it like uh, shipping things from uh, from one structure to another and uh, shipping from a POCO in a revamped uh, version to uh, to structures. All these things were mentioned in, in, in the structures chat in Slack, but we've had no information about it. Yeah, the CSM hadn't either. Like, it's one of my private wish things. I, I loved X3. I don't know if you guys ever heard about the X3 series, but it allowed you to connect stations to stations to stations and have these complex, you know, logistical flows of goods being produced and output coming out and freighters picking it up. And I would love to see that need, but no, we haven't seen anything like that. I don't think they're anywhere near that. It's probably a year, I would I guess, before we see something like that, because they got to get all the systems out first. And then you can start doing things like changing where saws anchored to and move it to, you know, citadel type structures, things like that before you're going to see them, you know, connecting them. And, and even then we might not see connecting even in a year. Okay. Uh, that's great. Love the deep level questions. Wanted to ask though, how much money does the goons have? <laughs> I don't think we've ever, I don't think we've ever released our finances. Maybe we've released our income, but we're very stable. Yeah. I'll where are your charts? Uh, we have an internal data warehouse. We call it raw. And so we have like finance dashboards that show income and taxes and moon rental, like all these things. And it enables us to track, you know, very basically almost real time. It's, it's real time wallet pooling like every hour. 
um, all our income and deliverables and, you know, what it's been, what our SRP is, what our fuel block for the alliance usage is, you know, what our, you know, solve bills are. So it's basically, it's, uh, it's a report I made. It's like income expense, right? It's like a PL dashboard. And so at any given time, we know what we have. So our, our big thing was we've always been investors. Like, so we don't tend to keep a lot liquid. So I'll, I'll release one dirty little figure. So when this war started, we only had 2 trillion liquid because we would spend all our ISK on investments. And so we would invest things. And so what you do is if you start running low on liquid, you just start selling off some of those investments, right? You know, you don't, in EVE, like the, the, the big thing is you don't ever have ISK sitting there doing nothing. Like that's dumb. Um, ISK should always be making more ISK. And so you keep enough to cover a few months of SRP and then the rest you invest. And if you end up needing it, you just start to sell off some assets. And so we never even got to sell off a great deal of our assets. We're still sitting on them, which is good come drilling platform. Yeah, I think you're going to need all that. Well, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> it's just amazing, though, that you guys are that organized with your finances, too. I think we think of Imperium as very organized in general. But uh, really, when you look at the finance, and I don't know this, I'm just hearing it for the first time. Uh, all that is pretty amazing for a, a corporation or coalition. It's actually just a, an alliance, isn't it? Yeah, this is just alliance. Like we don't. I I, I helped allies in the past, like FA. I would I'd give them their finance dashboard, things like that. But that was at the end. This is generally just like a goon swarm thing. Um, our finance department will give advice to allies if they ask, but we don't really offer it necessarily. Um, we have a channel that we communicate advice, like what you should invest in, how Eve's developing, what are the speculation targets, you know, how what are we manipulating in the market, you know, that given time. We post that all in a in a place where our private uh, industrialists and private, you know, uh, market players can read it and the allies can read it there too. So we don't really have a distinction. It's either Goonswarm Finance or everyone else. We used to kind of have a distinction, but you know, that went by the wayside. You just kind of do us, you know, the directorate and then the general public. And so everyone can read it at the same time and they go and invest. And so we just always have a running topic on the channel, like go invest in this, cash out now, whatever. And so we make a lot of people very rich, allies included. How did the war uh, actually affect your, like the, the models themselves, you guys figured out that you guys had tens of thousands of people that could basically kick up in some way taxes, I suppose. And here comes this other model where somebody builds um, an exponential moneymaker, which is a gambling casino, that sort of thing. So how did you compare those two e economic systems? And did you say, oh my God, they just went nuclear and we're still conventional? No, actually, and I don't want to sound too smug about this. I'd actually been warning about that very scenario for years internally um, because I am our version, I guess, of uh, Lenny. Like I have many, many trillions. I could do the same thing. And so I'd always, I'd always, I always kind of had that agenda on my own thinking, well, what do you do at the end game when you, when you start, you know, having trillions to throw around and it doesn't really mean anything anymore? What would you do? Right. And so we'd already been kind of, or at least I had been warning and maybe a couple other people in finance been warning for years, like, Hey, eventually, you know, players are going to have enough wealth where war isn't ever going to be an ISK thing anymore, or at least that particular war. Um, we need to kind of plan for that. And so I'd always, you know, advocated for large, large buffers, whatever. So I think the ISK was a factor on one side because it allowed them to have uh, losses with impunity but I think people think it really came down to the casinos and it did to kick it off. But what really happened was Eve changed at the same time. 
so you have to remember the war started just weeks before Citadels came out. And the entire structure of Null pivoted immediately from stations and set piece battles and solve to Citadels, where they're essentially fortresses that, you know, at a Fortizard level and above that you're really not going to kill easily. You're probably not going to want to fight on if you can avoid it if you're an attacker. But we weren't set up for that. You know, we didn't have any, obviously. We weren't going to deploy any because no one really knew what the mechanics were like when they first came out. No one knew where you should place them. No one knew how you should fit them necessarily right off. Um, you know, we didn't know a lot of the mechanics around them, like a lot of the bugs that we started finding with like ESS, you know, bubbles and you know stuff like that. Um, Could you so comment on, the, on that, on the whole thing of uh, lack of limiting factors in EVE? That I'm feeling that it's becoming more and more easy mode, right? There's way too much raw materials lying around. There's way too much money lying around, and no one really cares. And you get gate camps with titans and and things like that. I, I get the feeling that CCP has been making things a little bit too easy and not adding enough constraints and losses in the game. Or is it just that people have amassed so much on an individual and alliance level? It's both. So it, one of my pet peeves with CCP is I hate nullifiers. I hate them. I think they're a terrible mechanic. I think that you should not be able to run a 30-person gate camp with impunity. Like, that is stupid. It promotes uh, fits and travel setups that mean you never die. Uh, it, it, I don't like the, the risk aversion you see in EVE now. You got, like, T3 sniper fleets, things like that. Back in the day, and I hate to be like, I walked uphill both ways guy, but no, we love that. it was attrition, right? EVE was all about the meat grinder. You would go into a war knowing you're going to lose thousands of ships. Like, you knew that. That was cool. Like, you went into a fight and everyone walked out bloody, whoever won. That doesn't occur anymore. You can have complete wipes now where, like, one side basically loses nothing. And that's just a shitty eve as far as I'm concerned. So a while ago, whelps were, were not really something that was done, right? I mean, you would go in there and you'd get a piece of yours so that your guys were happy even if you lost your whole fleet. But you would get something. Right. Now you can try to do that. You can just barge into the enemy and they might just wipe you out without taking any losses. Like, you know, there's the hard counters, there's the, the nullifiers, there's the ability to move quickly around the grid. Um, it's some of its players maturing in, in strategy and ability and skill at the fleet commander level, but a lot of it's the mechanics. Like I, I feel like Fozzie is an advocate for small gang PVP and that kind of bleeds into null warfare quite a bit. And it just makes it suck because there's no losses on one side sometimes. I'd like to see everyone walk in and the winner still loses half their fleet. Like, that'd be the ideal scenario. I think it's also this, um, you know, like the 300 uh, syndrome where guys want to come in with like five guys and wipe out uh, 200 and feel good about it. You know, like they're like they're, you know, demigods or something like that must be the rush on the other side. I, I get that, and I even support that to some degree. It's just you should have to commit. Like, if if I bubble you, I want to know you're there. Like, I, there should be a mechanic where you are committed to the fight. Like, you know, two fleets enter, one fleet leaves if you've got this stuff. Um, and we were kind of hoping that might happen with those super cap bubble launchers, but those things are stupid and <laughs> they're like a waste of a module slot. Like, it's ridiculous. So... If we're still waiting for that kind of mechanic, I would love to see the Thunderdome fleet fight again now. So going back to the war and how it affected you guys, you guys were invested in, in many different markets. You only had a little bit of liquid uh, cash, let's say. Uh, you see that this 
nightmare or this thing that's happening you uh, were already aware of and warned of. By the way, uh, I'm going to segue my own question here. If you guys uh, didn't like the um, the casino uh, model, like weren't you guys building one? And is there a contradiction there at all? Well, no. Like we recognize, like so. I had what I call the scorched earth. Um, we knew that casino isk was going to be a threat. So I had already come up with a plan probably a year ago for how would you combat that threat if it develops. And it was a very simple plan. We were going to make our own casino and it wouldn't matter if it's shit. And we were going to run it at 0% margin. Like the whole point of the casino, right? No rake, just break even. So we would blow away the profit model for every other casino. Cause why would you go to any other casino? Even if our website sucks more, if the odds are break even. So kill the competition to keep the, the edge. Yeah. Like there's no more rake. We would never do it for a profit because we never needed that the ISK money from the casino because we make a lot in game, right? So exactly. we would just make it a zero percent model for everyone else. Like that was what we were doing. Like that that's was the, a, what was coming. That's that's brilliant. I, this first time I'm hearing that. So you put up the casino as a defensive mechanism to drain the competition. Well, not the first one. The first one was our, our test bed to figure out. Okay, what what do we need to do to make this work? What did we learn? And we learned a lot, and it was actually okay. The reason the first one failed had nothing to do with like how good it was going to be. It was everything to do with the fact that we lost our coder. Like, Would you have gone so far and even considered uh, doing loss leaders on it? What was that? Would you have gone so far and even considered doing loss leaders on a casino? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, we would have definitely ran it like a negative 100 billion a month or something. Then no problem. Like, that would have been a big deal at all. <laughs> I love that. I think uh, just because, you know, the common wisdom is completely opposite of that. But it's so funny to see so many people wrong. <laughs> that's what cracks me up. So yeah, like, there's so many people that like speculate and armchair quarterback, like here's what the goons are doing and here's what they think. It's like, no, you need to understand. There's probably any scenario you can think of. We've thought about it a year ago. We know what we would do. Doesn't mean we have the ability to do the response easily because maybe effort or we don't have the right resources or, or, you know, there's too many people taking a break from Eve. And, and that's one of the other things that happened in the war. That war happened when a lot of our very senior leadership were having either real life issues or real life had consumed them. Like I, I in particular was not hardly around for the war at all because um, I'm an executive at a company and I had just gotten dropped into the worst project in the company. Like the the thing that you know, the CEO gets read into type thing. So I've been I was to... inhaled by that project. And I know Mittens was basically AFK. Like it was pretty bad. A lot of our senior leadership was gone. But yeah, we're and, and, and that, that brings on the, the, the whole topic of, uh, well, Basically, what I've been known to comment on is that uh, goons and, and, and mittens have been claiming that they weaponized boredom. And this becomes a self-inflicting wound because that boredom then led to someone actually being able to monetize on it. And you guys were AFK. So it, it would not have developed like this if you had not created that much boredom and that much uh, passivity. Maybe. I think there's a lot of like individual facts you can put point to like we should have shot sma in the face early on like we wanted to shoot <laughs> sma before any of that even happened like we had been having discussions like these guys are terrible why are they around here and then when they started getting attacked we were like well we can't shoot them now you know we, we can't shoot them when they're under attack it'll look like we just abandoned our friends or whatever so we gotta like stick this out and then we'll shoot them <laughs> and then so, obviously you see where it went so you're waiting uh for the war to end so you could kill your ally 
we yeah we didn't want them anymore like we had already made the decision they weren't really a good ally they weren't participating they weren't defending their own space when they get soft lasered like you you saw this when they did the it was like the war had just started well, it wasn't really even a war yet it was an incursion and they decide to fuck off to delve or something and so they go down to delve as some sort of strategy to lure the enemy i don't know what they were thinking we're sitting here going so we're going to defend your solve for you and you're not even here well like, i got what? i always got the impression that they wanted to be as cunning as uh goon swarm um and that was what the whole i want isk infiltration was about and the story they were peddling was uh look what we did we have operatives and stuff like that and uh, it just rang so false um that it crumbled really quickly under investigation well, I mean, not, I mean, I don't know what's public anymore, but some misguided, like, lover spat thing, whatever, no. Like, that's not infiltration and, and cunning. That's just some sort of weird... And you're referring to what uh, Sion is writing in uh, SA forums uh, that's public now uh, about uh, this whole thing actually was uh, something of a lover's quarrel. Oh, he, he released that? Oh, I didn't know that was actually released. That was actually out... When the original drama broke, uh, that was uh, mentioned on Reddit briefly uh, in a couple of comments uh, when the whole SMA thing was starting up. Oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't know if it had ever been public or not. There's a lot of things that, you know, obviously we're privy to and we have information about that never makes it to the light of day. And so sometimes it's hard to determine what made it out and what didn't. Did you guys? Um, can, can I ask you about what uh, any inside plans for, from, from, from Goons and, and from your strategy? Uh, with the war and the casinos and all that stuff, there's a lot of uh, brand issues happening, right? And if we're getting all these alphas very soon, uh, what's the plans to actually pick them up? Because uh, as a name, goons have been a little bit quiet lately. So is there something big happening soon so we can get some brand value back? Brand value? Like what brand are you referring to? Well, all the interesting drama and, and big events and uh burn Jeter and stuff like that doing interesting things the latest um, thing that happened was basically everyone else rolling over goons so if new blood sees that which is recent history they might not be as prone to choose to join goons um i don't think we see it that way at all because we have so many you got to remember the talent pool we have that's out there that's just gone for the years right that had left you know, we've got since 06 people that, you know, will come back or all the goons that have left through the many different wars or, you know, real life. I, I think we're going to see a surge of just people coming back just as a social network um, to reconnect with people. When you don't have to pay, it's real easy to stay in touch with people. But I think as toward the brand, like one of the main things I don't think ever came out, and I, I think it may have came out, but we made a very conscious decision to torpedo the media about the war and it had nothing to do with the in-game you know war so and it had everything to do with something one of the ccp employees did that really pissed us off and so we made a very conscious decision to hurt um the media and to, to not provide uh you know media to not provide a story to not provide drama to bring players into eve on purpose by by uh torpedoing the me the meta sorry the media you're saying that you weren't going to provide narrative for the the arc of the story and stuff like that well not only that we weren't going to allow there to be a story like ccp wanted to hype it to the, the next big thing and, and try to get all these players sucked into and we would have been happy to go along with that if it hadn't been for one CCP or in particular, and I'm not going to try to you know go into it now. It's water under the bridge. I think it's over. But 
it was a very conscious decision on our part to not participate in media interviews, not give a story, not give battles, not give a big fight that would make a big splash. Like that was a conscious decision. And it had nothing to do with who we were fighting and it had everything to do with CCP. In other words, this wasn't this wasn't going to be uh, a giant selling point for Eve. Uh, you guys weren't going to participate in that. It could have been. We wanted to when it started. And then some events happened between us and CCP that made us go, oh, yeah, well, let us show you what consequence is. So we'll, de we'll deflate this opportunity for you. Yeah, we're going to pop this little marketing bubble you're about to have. And like, and remember this next time you decide to open your mouth. Like, that's what happened. Oh, that's interesting. But um, would you say that TMC then, because I was news director, or I am news director there, and at the time, we just couldn't get anybody to write for it. So I, this was invisible to me. Do you yeah, think like, that was part I think of it? you're... It's not about the writers, it's about the story. Like, if, it's hard to get somebody to write about something that isn't really happening. Like, the dirty little secret of the war was there really was no war. I know. <laughs> there really like, was no big fights you could point to or anything. It was more like us going, hey, we're going to do this, you know, guerrilla stuff for a while. We like it. It's fun. Our guys are having fun. And then eventually our guys are like, hey, we want to go ride it up a little bit. I'm like, okay, we're going to go to Delft. I mean, that's it's, it's an oversimplification of everything that went down, but that's... Kind of how it went down. Well, it kind of felt like, okay, there's you guys sitting on this mountain, and now all this horde is coming um, to take you off the mountain, and you guys walked off the mountain. And yeah, we're like, peace. Yeah, like, I mean, we, there's a lot of people, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of the directors who wanted to fight forever because it was fun. Like, you right. could pick your fights, you didn't really care if you had to show up for the timer, you could let the enemy show up for timer and blue ball them, and then you could go fight them, or drop them on the way home, or you could do all these things. And we had great participation. Like a lot of our allies immediately just cascaded or packed up and ran off like FCON or whatever, like just bitches, right? That, but we they, always knew. They made deals to get out. Right? Yeah, a lot of our allies, we always knew were baby back bitches. We knew that. Like, <laughs> they weren't able to stand on their own. We were always having to run their stuff. They were always just fucking the football, right? Well, so it wasn't some like epiphany that we're like, oh, man, half our tigers. Like, no, come on. We knew that. Um, it was us fighting to the bitter end, and we were the only alliance there at the end, pretty much, that still had numbers showing up every time. We still had participation. I mean, that's what goons like. But eventually, even if the alliance has wealth, even if the alliance can still fight wars, you know, indefinitely, doesn't mean the line member doesn't want to go make their is for their plex, for their sub, and stuff like that. Um, and that's one of the other things that's going to make Alpha so interesting is you're not really going to be able to if a, if a guerrilla force truly wants to just stay a guerrilla force, you're not going to be able to do anything about it because they're not going to have any income generation needs if they just want to stay alphas. So I'm hoping there will be a few you know, Viet Cong style outfits that spring up out there and never go away. I think that would be fun for you. Yeah. Well, that is, it's going to be interesting. Um, as far as um, the line members inside of Goon Swarm, um, like what do they get out of it? What do you guys provide for them with all this money that you guys have in investments? almost we make it rain so you know the the, the dirty little rain. like internal fight uh earlier you know in the previous years was always you know mittens would always try to spend about what we're taking in right we would save a little but you know savings beyond a certain point probably isn't useful you should invest or whatever so you know there's the obvious srp where we'll srp stuff in peacetime it doesn't matter if it was strategic op things like that 
there's we we give very generous infrastructure so people can you know go and do industrial activities like you know with the ec release i'm sure we'll be plopping down many alliance engineering complexes and rig them and fit them for the line member and say here you go have fun um we still have to cover all of the social programs so like we have sigs um you know that we'll give is to and say hey you want to go do this thing it sounds fun here here's some funding we, you know we have to pay for plex for all our gsol members we have to we'll give plex to fcs we'll say hey you know here's 40 50 60 plex pay out the fcs you know that that don't have time to go make is because they're just sitting there FCing. cool here's some is so there's lots of these little entitlement programs where you know we fund things that make more fun for our people so that's generally what we do is just look for something that makes me more interesting for our line members and then we'll try to throw isk on it that's it's not a very complex formula all right, because I've heard that like you guys are hoarding the money and uh, your your players aren't really getting anything out of it. No, it's never really been true. I think we've probably been the most generous alliance in NullSec forever. Like, yeah. I, I can't remember a time when I've seen an alliance more generous than we are. Yeah, I, I would say I one of my friends has recently joined uh, GSF and he's quite newish in EVE and he said, yeah, the uh, forums and... Uh, the guides for newbies and the just level of help that you know the ships and the skill books and the yeah the information available to new players is uh, way better than anything else he's run into in any of the uh, newer corps in Eve. So is and we try to make it easy, and we but we also have ten years of history of documenting things, so it's we have a pretty big knowledge base. Is that also like in contrast we have like uh, tissue right which uh, inherited a bunch of money for the war and it kind of went up to the top levels and uh supers were bought for friends and people didn't really see the benefit of it so that's you guys aren't anything like that because it seems like it's weird but when these giant alliances like pl and nc and uh, let's say tissue get a bunch of money that money is kind of held for i don't know how it's held actually but um, supers, there's buying, you know, there's supers buying programs for people, but you have to qualify. And I don't know if that's just friends in some cases, but it seems like it's people they trust that are going to stick around to use that super with them. Yeah, we did that years ago where we, uh, when we were building up for the B BTAC-R where we, you know, you know, had the most supers and everything, we had spent years spending trillions of this buying people titans and buying people supers like directorate members and you know trust members things like that you no know, corp ceo stakeholders that have representation in illuminati things like that so we had spent many years building that same kind of infrastructure we just don't have the need to buy anyone titans anymore we have so many like the dirty like people like say oh well you can't face plnc it's like yeah we can actually it's them plus everyone else like we have more supers than any other one alliance on eve by far um it's just when if the whole rest of Eve, you know, brings their supers, then you got a problem. But yeah, we had the same program. Um, we just don't spend money on that anymore. So really, it's kind of funny. The the it seems to me that the the group that needs to be a coalition to defend themselves is not actually you. Uh, it would be NCPL. Yeah, no, they cannot take us. Just NCPL cannot take us. Not even close. It's not even going to be a fight. But with yeah. everyone else, that's the fight. So you could even take NC and PL together. Easily. Look at the numbers. It's not even close. Hmm, interesting. I feel like my face just got slapped with a glove, but okay. Um, That's why they always have to have the meat shield. That's why they have to have Horde. That's why they have to have Test. They need the meat shield, and then they bring the high-end strategic assets. 
but we bring both within our same alliance. Like that's our secret. We've always been a very um, mixed force doctrine, right? A very integrated. We have subs, tons of subs and tons of supers and tons of capitals. Uh, and we can bring all of those. Whereas other alliance tend to be able to, they can either like PL, they'll either bring a couple hundred men and subs or they'll bring all their supers. You don't really see them do both. If they if they bring the supers like a big blob, you'll see them using someone else as a meat shield. And that's fine. I mean, I'm not, it's not disparaging against them. It's just that's how they're structured. And they're a much smaller alliance. Especially now um, that supers take a lot more management to actually use, right? Yeah, you're not going to have a guy multi-boxing three supers. And if he is, wow, props to him. Respect. And yeah. doing a sub and a super right now, like that's a level of autism I just can't get behind. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a... Uh... It's gotten tough, and I think it has impacted uh, these alliances where people used to be able to do three three guys, you know, a Titan, a Super, and a you know conventional or a subcap. Yeah, you're going to probably start seeing Pony Express type strategies, you know, be more prevalent, you know, as people free up characters. Well, you guys do have also a meat shield. Well, I don't know if that's a meat shield, but you guys have horde, not horde. You have Karma Fleet inside of Goonswarm. Yeah. We always have wanted the Mega Alliance concept, so I had been advocating for no allies for, I don't know, five years. I'm probably the one goon that you'll find in leadership that says, fuck allies, I don't want any, um, because it's not efficient. Not because I don't like them personally, or not because I don't think they can be valuable, none of that. It's just because of the way the mechanics work in EVE, you need everyone in one alliance. Like It's just the way things work. Um, it's more efficient. Um, all the mechanics allow that one alliance to be able to defend their space, to build up their space, to generate economic value from their space. And when you start mixing alliances, that's when it gets a little hairy. And there's just no reason to. There, there's effectively no limit on an alliance. So why would you be in multiple alliance except for personalities that just want to remain in power? Right. That's kind of the nutshell. That, uh, Is that something that's been discussed at the CSM at all? The whole dynamics and tools and features for stuff like that? I don't know that at the CSM, I've personally, I've written an article about it on TMC before a couple times, where command and control is a big problem in EVE. Like, there's a minimum amount of people you need to run an alliance. And that's uh, what I call like the minimum CNC level, right? That's a problem because that means you're only ever going to have, at this point in EVE's life cycle, a handful of really good alliances because no one else can muster that much command and control in a single place. They haven't amassed those players over the years. And now that you know, we're in this kind of part of Eve, where I'd say midlife of Eve or, you know, just past middle age, you're not going to be able to amass those people easily again. Like there's a critical mass you need. And until you have it, you can't get more. And if you don't have it, you can't get it anymore. Right. It's a chicken and the egg. So these alliances like PL and NC and us, we have it and no one else really does. Like I would tell people, take a moment and look at the number of alliance you think could run a war on their own. There's only two. It's us and PL. Yeah, even NC can't run on their own. They need PL. I was just pointing it out because reading chat, they keep mentioning the whole uh, socialism aspect of goons and the organizational levels and stuff like that. And basically, if I'm not entirely mistaken, some of the features that CCP have uh, neglected and ignored for yeah, over a decade now uh, are the things that might be even more capitalistic, right? So things like uh, top-level taxation and player-to-player -player and business-to-business -business, uh, billing and interactions economically. And all these things you guys managed to 
uh, just internalize and that basically gave you the huge edge because there was none of these things possible and you can go all the way back to uh, Tiger Transdimensional uh, and uh, the uh, Big Blue's attempt to do capitalism and, and move into null and populate it with the neutrals. But it's not possible with the features that we have. And it's just been discussed many times, but it's never moved further than that. Well, it, it's not possible unless you have a lot of out-of-game out tools like we did. Um, so yes, we were able to, we were the only ones that had a true null economy um, in DAC, and now we do in Delve. Um, it's not, it, it's a pale shadow of what it was in DAC still. We haven't built it up. We've had a huge econ economic surge in the other areas that we were really bad in NDAC, which is interesting. It's like we flip-flopped our economic model. Um, but yeah, like I, I tell people, everyone says, oh, goons are socialists, sort of. We promote a huge degree of capitalism. We have a lot of internal um, economic opportunities for people. Uh, we kind of subsidize their ability to make ISK uh, with Alliance ISK, you know, whether with infrastructure, with really low taxes, blah, 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 blah. So, and you know, we, and we teach people, here's how you go and exploit this space to the fullest, and here's what you make, and here's what we're going to take, and you're still getting a great deal. Um, so what we do is we, we kind of call it benevolent capitalism, where we tolerate capitalism all the way to the point where it hurts the alliance. If it hurts the alliance, then we step in, but that's very rare. Like, it, it might happen once every couple years, where we have to kind of squash somebody because they're doing something that, you know, isn't very harmonious with the social structure. But yes, all our main income of the alliance is a very socialist model, uh, space socialism. But it only works because we're very we're an autocracy and we're a meritocracy, and it's a very heavy top down. You have you only need you know ten really strategic people to pull something like that off. Luckily, because the organizational strain is not something that CCP has given us any tools for, right? So all the benefits that you guys had from very early on being extremely good at organizational stuff. And it's something that I don't see in many of the other uh, big entities in the game. That's why you kept having that extreme edge because you have the people, the, 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 the manpower, the, the, the tools in-house to handle all that organizational strain, right? And, and of course, the, the, the logistics and stuff like that. It's not possible as things are now to outsource a lot of those things as an entity in, in EVE. Yeah, I completely agree with you. If you're a smaller entity that doesn't have, you know, literally a team of IT administrators, literally a team of real life, you know, executives and lawyers and things like that running your alliance, yeah, you're probably screwed. And I've been, you know, harping on that with CCP is that the, the barrier is too high right now. I, I'm not saying I'm advocating for a specific fix. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying, saying that you guys internally can manage all your uh, economic stuff and, 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 and payment things and stuff like that. So, so, but something as simple as the fact that in-game, when I rent something from an NPC, I get a bill, right? And I pay the bill and I can set it to actually automatically pay the bill. But something like that is almost impossible, pretty straining if I want to do that as a renter in Null. Yeah, like we have those systems and I'm sure other alliances have those systems, but they're all based on API, data, like that. But yeah, if you're average Joe Blow, yeah, completely. You're not going to set something like that up. It's just not within reach. I don't see that changing anytime soon either. Like, I don't see CCP making some sort of data warehouse for people to consume for within the client. No, but in, uh, even something as simple as uh, a billing feature that, that we can use 
between each other or something as simple as, I don't know, a PayPal feature on the new mobile app or things like that. Something to make it more convenient to have uh, dealings with other entities. And especially now that the casinos are, are gone, that means that uh, for meta services or media stuff, there's no way to actually uh, get any revenues from that except donations. And that's really a bad model, which reality and real life economy have proven many times. Yeah, maybe the mobile client will change that. I, I think it probably has the possibilities to do that in the future. I don't I don't think that's going to change anytime soon is all I'm saying. Like I, I support the ability for smaller groups to have in-game methods to enable them to do things that we do at scale uh, because we have out of game systems. I just don't see anything like that on the horizon. That's a pretty complex ask. I mean, you're uh, yeah, being able to pay people with your app, fine. That that's probably a low barrier. I think we'll get that within a year, right? But everything else, that's gets technically kind of challenging. So this game really will always have the advantage of people who are professionals leveraging their knowledge into the game. Oh yeah, that's never going to stop. I mean, I, there hasn't been a time in EVE where that hasn't been true. Especially when it comes to things where CCP has mechanics or features that only those people can figure out how to exploit fully. Um, I'll use the, a pet peeve of mine. The recent log server stuff. That stuff was so broken, it was retarded. And it doesn't seem like anyone at CCP even knows why it was rolled out, but it persisted for a long time. And it was a major crutch for some groups, um, you know, like PL and like ourselves, we used it too, where it gave you enormous amounts of free intel for just being cloaked on a gate. Like it was retarded. And finally they woke up and removed that but if you're some Joe guy without coders and, you know, people debugging, you know, the Eve client, you're never even going to know that world exists to know that people know your fit the moment you warped out the gate and they know everything you were flying with, you know, automatic Intel streaming to like some other app. It, it, you wouldn't even know that world exists. You just, you, you'd be chased and killed and you have no idea why, right? That sort of thing I don't like in Eve. Like I don't want there to be a completely unlevel playing field with the average dude. Um, so those kind of things do need to go. Oh, that's wild. I didn't even know that stuff existed. Yeah, like, well, I don't run just finance. I also run Carpa, which is like our coding think tank group. Mm -hmm. So I have access to, you know, uh, things that I would say are borderline exploits sometimes. Like, I mean, they're not exploits, but they're definitely abusing mechanics to the limit. And, you know, hopefully CCP will always continue to fix those things that uh, are that egregious. Um, and they come up from time to time. And, and players will try to downplay that they ever existed later, um, Sphere being a very popular example, uh, but they did exist. And, you know, it's not like one alliance had it, you know, multiple alliance had it, they just don't say anything. It's usually one alliance that gets popped using it, and then everyone else is like, whoops, well, we shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> so where does this uh, media empire fit into this uh, equation? Is it, uh, is it part of, is, Imperium News, part of uh, the Imperium and the whole infrastructure that you have, or is it an external company? Uh, kind of both. Like it's an external. So it, it started very much external. It started to where it was very much at arm's length. There was almost no you know, collaboration between the two or anything. And it still, for the most part, is that way. It's kind of an independent entity. 
but we see it as more our social group that compresses us through games. So, like, one of the things people don't know is a lot of the goon leadership played other games before together. Like, this is Eve is not the first time. And so goons tend to bounce from game to game. And, and But Eve has become our home game. Like, where, yeah, we might play other games together, but we always kind of stay together in Eve. Um, it's kind of our home base. Maybe that won't always be true, but the Imperium to us is sort of this transcendent group. It isn't just about Eve. It's about having a group of people that you know are really, really good gamers that play games together. Because just because I'm good at EVE doesn't mean I wasn't good at all these other games. Like, I was always leadership in, all, in other games. I've always been really good at game. If you're a gamer, the game almost doesn't matter. You know, maybe with the exception of FPS where it's Twitch skills. But even that, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, a lot of us really, really good at. So if you, if you find a group of gamers that are really, really good and make you enjoy games, and make you better because you're all good and make you roll over noobs, right? You're going to stay with each other. And that's what the Imperium is really about is having a group of people that, you know, if you join them in another game, you're probably going to be good in, in, in curb stomping people in that game too. So it's, it's all about rolling over the noobs. Yeah. It's all about fucking bitches. basically. (laughs) Always has been, always will. Yeah. I mean, that's what game is about. Like we're here to have fun. We're here to scratch an itch. You know, you know, if we're all sociopaths and we just want to scratch that itch, so we're better people in real life. Great, let's stay together and do that. The yeah, gift, yeah. the veil, or some of the whole cultural thing inside uh, goons and, and the history and where it's moving, especially now with the fact that we're coming up on what fifteen years of Eve gaming, and we've just had that whole touchy feely week uh, where everyone is basically creating, I don't know, a blue layer cake where we don't want to fight each other. Um, what, are we seeing with, what are we seeing with, uh, with, with goons? Where are they moving culturally? And are they still very closely connected to Eve? And, and, and is it because, well, that's created by goons? Well, I'm not saying the entire Eve game is created by goons, but the players in Eve is the only thing that's actually content in the game. So what does that mean for the future and new generations? I wouldn't say our culture substantially changing. I would say our culture is abstracting from Eve to some degree. Uh, I don't think that a lot of us now, you know, whether we play Eve or not, they would stay on Jabber or they would stay in our chat channels and they would still talk because you might run in each other. You might pop in from time to time. But our culture much more now is, you know, we're all older, right? We're all, you know, approaching midlife. A lot of us have families and careers. It's just turning to a little more casual. But that kind of fits in with the way Eve's going, right? You're, you're going to have this world where alphas are very casual, they're not paying, and then a war breaks out or a, a series of big fights break out and maybe people will drop a plex, go to Omega, and then have fun. And I think that's, you're going to see Eve be spikier. You know, you're going to see periods of, of relative peace and quiet and, and nothing happening um, turn into so old school. a spike load. Well, because, yeah, we generationally, we are hitting grandparent age, really. People that started playing Eve back in the day are now reaching a point where they might actually have kids that are having kids. So, so it's, a, it's a very uh, different place for what you might say is uh, the content creators like yourself and, and the Goons uh, executive brands, right? Yeah, like a lot of us now 
you know, we might hang out together on vacation or people might be in business together or, you know, with TMC or people might have side gigs together or um, people might be getting like we have a lot of people to get each other jobs. Right. We know each other in game and we know each other good at you know, a certain skill set, maybe an IT skill set. So they'll actually you'll see people hire other people in real life and, you know, support networks and, and networking. It's it's more a. I think Mittens described it once in Cancun as the internet mafia. Like that's effectively what goons are now. We're just like kind of the internet mafia where if you're a made man, you're kind of a made man in whatever game it is and in real life, if you need help, right? That's kind of what it has become. But isn't it uh, turning a little bit outwards, right? The 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 inward facing uh, culture, it seems to be uh, getting porous. Uh, I think that's just been that's been happening probably for 10 years, right? Where I've always been an advocate for ingest as many bodies as you can sort through them and find the good ones and discard the ones you don't want or disruptive or whatever. Um, I think that it's just, you have much more consolidation at the top. Now um, you have much more stability where a lot of the names at the top have been around for a very long time. Um, and, and now everyone recognizes that, Hey, it isn't necessarily just about Eve. It's about, Hey, you need to have a gaming community. If you're going to be a gamer, if let's say you're at 40, I'm not there yet, but let's say we're all 40 <laughs> years old. Quickly say that. Yeah, not quite there yet, not <laughs> far. Um, you're probably going to be gaming another 20 years. Maybe you'll be gaming in your old folks' home in your diaper. Who knows? But if you're a gamer and you've been gaming right for 20, you know, I've been gaming for 30 years, right? And probably since I was like in my single digit years you're going to probably gain the rest of your life. So you might as well find a community that can support you in that. And you have fun hanging out with, and you know, and you can trust because trust is something that's hard to earn on the internet. And so if you find a group you can trust and you know, you can give them, you know, 10 years worth of gaming assets, they're not going to run off with them. Then that's something you can't buy. So you're, it's kind of a, you know, you're in this for life. Yeah. Like I'm one of the OG goons, right? I've been here since the very, very beginning. Um, there's not that many of us left, but again, I was leadership in previous game. Like it, it's not about Eve. It's about playing with goons. It's, it's, we're playing goons in space. We're not playing Eve and it's kind of a cliche, but it's true. And it's always been true. Okay. So as a goon, and if you're one of the original goons, like what is it about you guys that gets called toxic all the time? Do you guys really mess with uh, the the public? I guess because people don't like it when Others can have fun at their expense and clearly don't have remorse for it. Like, <laughs> I, I make no secret that I'm here to inflict suffering. Like, that's why I play Eve. Like, I want to scratch an itch and I want to inflict suffering on many people. I don't see anything wrong with that. I think that's healthy. That's what gaming's for. But other people, they just want to mine rocks in space and talk and, and play LARP in space or something. And talk about My Little Pony and their furry friends or something. Like, okay, we're not going to be playing the same game, but don't get all butthurt when we gank you. So uh, well, well, let's look at that for a second, and it's very comical. Um, you're, here to, you're here to create pain and laugh uh, and enjoy that uh, as you do that for other people. Um, but, you're, but you're also here to build, which is kind of funny because that's, you know, you've built systems, you've built uh, relationships, you've built uh, capital. Yeah, we're empire builders. Like, I mean, that's people ask, like, well, how do we play Eve? Like, what's our 
what's our modus operandi? We are empire builders. That's what we do. That's why you always see us immediately reassemble. Like you can, you, we might have to, this is what the fourth time we've moved. I don't know. This is like the fourth time we've lost our space and deck was like three times longer than we've ever lived before. It was crazy, but we always rebuild. We always reassimilate and you always see us reconstitute ourselves because we have a great command and control. We have a great culture. Um, and we have the people that are capable of doing it. So, you know, people always say, what's it going to take to kill goons? It will be goons killing goons. It won't be an external force. They've done it before, right? They unplugged themselves by, like, not paying their sob bill. and Yeah. But, um, but I mean, when we leave Eve, like, to kill goons from Eve, it would take goons deciding, eh, Eve's not funny anymore. That's what, that's the only way. Right. Well, that's interesting because that may be a bellwether to, like, a failing game, which would be really bad. So I guess if that prophecy were ever to come true, that would be a bad, bad sign for the game. Oh, if you ever see us leave Eve, Eve's dead. Like, yeah. Let's be real here. Who's been the major content creators for the last five years that you see in the media? We're always in that article. We're always on one side or the other. If we go, Eve is never going to have a, a, a very good Twilight. I'm not saying we're going or anything. I'm not saying Eve's dying. Well, I'm not Eve kind right, of dying. Of but um, you know, I, I think alphas are going to rejuvenate Eve. How but yeah, so? if you ever see us disappear, you should cry. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, so how much do you think they're going to rejuvenate? Uh, how big is this? I think it's huge. Now, the, the the trick is getting all those people that have left Eve in the past to know about alphas. That's the trick. You know, obviously yeah. you can do mass mailing campaigns, things like that. We're going to try to, you know, spam our people at their email addresses too. Say, hey, come back. Here's a link, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's going to be the thing is that I would do a very heavy, aggressive marketing campaign uh, to get those people back. I think it's a big differentiator. I think you're going to see a huge population surge. I think you're going to see a great deal of people out there try Eve that may have never tried it before because it's free to play. Like, what's what's the risk? Um, whereas a trial is a little intimidating. Like, you got a, a gun to your head. You know there's a date that you should pay by or your game's over. Well, I think people start playing Eve and they're like, whoa, this is really complicated. I'm not going to do it in 30 days, so I'm stopping after two exactly. hours. Exactly. Exactly. I think Alphas is going to change all that. There's no rush. There's no gun to your head. You can drop it. You can come back. And you might see people drop it two or three times before it sticks. I know I was in Eve beta, didn't stick. I came back after launch, didn't stick. It wasn't till goons in space that it stuck for me. So third tries a charm. Um, but if I hadn't had goons, I would have never stuck with Eve either. Like it's not a good game for solo orders. Yeah. It is a great game for empire building though. And and part of the joy that you guys get out of it is empire crushing. All right. <laughs> These guys that build little empires compared to you guys. Um which I thought was pretty interesting because that's an idea I could get with. The idea that I, you guys were insurgents for a long time. I mean, when you guys started, you were too small to be a heavy, heavy-duty power that you are now. So you guys really just kind of uh, shot all over the game. And um, that was the whole first part of the first act for Goons, wasn't it? Well, yeah, you got to remember, we were the, the littlest guy, the newest alliance on the scene. We were like brave newbies, but smaller. And imagine like NCPL and all the major forces coming and shitting on you at once. Like, so Bob came and they were by far the predominant force. They brought their friends and they camped us into our NPC station or they tried to. And we immediately responded with, oh, yeah, well, we're going to roll a whole bunch of characters called VCBs and go do what we want and torment you anyway. Oh, and then we got these friends that are going to let us sleep on their couch. So we're going to go over here. And which meant we had a holy war for the next four years, five, six years, really, before we killed them. And we killed Bob. Like. Yeah, they may have won a battle and made us run over to Inn's mother, but we kept coming and coming and coming. And that's what we've done always in Eve. Like, there's never been an enemy we're not going to come for. There's no one that we fear. Like, there's no one in Eve that can take us head to head. 
Um, so why wouldn't we just keep coming? And that's what's fun about Eve is the, the, the nemesis or the, the payback or, you know, just making sure that the things you're doing to build your empire further the, the military goals, right? And so we'll have internal arguments over what system are we going to live in and what systems are capital? And everyone's arguing from a place of what makes us the strongest, right? And everyone's right <clears throat> from their individual perspective. You just have to determine what's right from an overall perspective. So is there any daylight between you and some of the people that left Goon Swarm, the old guys that were disgruntled? And I would say like uh, your former rear admiral. Um, Which one was that? Was it Blarf McTaggart, I think? Or Envy? Uh, was head of spies? What's that? What do you mean by daylight? Like, it seems like a lot of the complaints they had were too big, it's boring, the guys are bored, uh, we're going somewhere else. Uh, are the same things that you were saying about uh, pre-war uh, goons. Yeah, like, uh, I think on the allies, I think a lot of us agree. I never liked allies. Never did. I understood the need for allies. Don't get me wrong. In in Dominion Solve, allies were definitely a thing. In Phoebe Solve, they're not really. Um and so we had a coalition that was uh, an amalgamation of things that were due to previous mechanics, not that were acquired by the current mechanics. Um, but everything else, like Andy and I hated each other. Like I always trolled the shit out of Andy. I was a vile rat guy. So what people don't know about the internal politics is Andy always wanted to be seen as the number two of goons. He never was, but he always wanted to be seen that way. And vile rat was the number two when he was around. And so I was you either a vile rat guy or an Andy guy. And there wasn't very many Andy people. And I was a vile rat guy. And I, Indy and I never got along. Blarf and I did. Blarf was okay, but he was a furry, so... What's a furry? Oh, my God. You don't know what a furry is? Why are you on the internet? I don't know what a furry is. Is that oh. an animal? Yeah, you can explain that one, Arith. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Somebody else knows. I, get, I think it's a, fur, it's a character that looks like a fox. No, it's I a really like to hear Aerith talk <laughs> about furries. That sounds like... <laughs> right, thing. sorry. But, yeah, Blarf was cool, but, I mean, at the end of the day, him and V, and they just found real life. It wasn't like they were already gone before they were gone. Like that's the thing about Andy and all those guys that schism, they weren't playing. They weren't even a part of leadership anymore. They weren't doing anything. And they only ran off in a huff when they got kicked from leadership channels because they were inactive. Like that's what precipitated all of that. Like, so it wasn't like they had these ideological arguments or whatever. It was no, you went idle. And then you got butt hurt when mittens kicked you from the channels. So, and then you went and rage quit like, uh, okay. So it was but like, that has nothing to do with ideology. So it was like dead, branches falling off a tree uh yeah we do this all the time but i think at that wave i think we kicked something like 10 people and only two or three went nazi about it and got called crazy because oh my god you know you're you're we, we should be friends and be able to hang out once we get to a certain level which should you know we should always be that level it's like no we're a meritocracy like you either keep producing or you get booted down like you get busted out like it's just how it is and it's not because we're mean because you have to have people that are the people doing work or the people actively involved in EVE that are making the decisions. You can't have an echo chamber where it's half a dozen people that aren't even playing EVE anymore setting policy or setting strategy. It just it doesn't work. You end up making very bad decisions, and, and you just piss off the people that are actually active around and active. Like, you got to give the people doing the work the power. Hmm. Uh, what about uh, DJ, who came back and uh, was saying, I'm going to create a place for goons to actually have some fun. That was his, oh, he said that was always his intention. Um, what that looked like to you? Uh, I, well, I remember DJ. Like, I remember, you know, I knew DJ very well before he went off to CCP. And 
he was never the I'm going to lead Goose to fun guy. He was the raging alcoholic guy or the guy that would just I remember like when he schismed a whole section of goons off because he couldn't like swallow his pride for a moment or when he stole some guy's Titan back in the day or just I like DJ as a person, I think, but he was never like this leader. He makes people out to be. He, he tries to pitch himself as the guy that led Dell from the the great Sov Welp uh, into into the deck promised land. It's like, well, kind of, but not really. It's more just, hey, TCF. Oh, I'm going to CCD by like what the <laughs> what was interesting to me is he I always thought it was him that said the um, Dell's Sov is dropped. We're moving everything like nobody stays here. We're moving everything. But that wasn't his idea that came to him. He admitted that that was somebody else's idea. No, like people don't understand. Like I get to take a whole bunch of responsibility for how that played out. So there was me and two other guys, um, Boo Jenkin and Ford Crawler, I think. Their cartoon was gone. So Neart was cartoon was on his honeymoon. Neart was our finance guy at the time. He was AFK. And they were the two guys responsible for paying bills. So that's why the drop. Like, so one's on the me, whatever. So before Cartoon can get back, I make a poll in our forums. I, I stir up the whole mob, me and Boo and Ford, against Cartoon. So he comes back to a total shit show. Everyone calling for his head. Get the fuck out. And I knew that he was probably going to run off with all our shit. But that's what goons do. Like, it was so good of drama that we can't not do it. Like, we had to do it to ourselves. And so he came back to a total shit show where the whole directorate's trying to save it where he doesn't go fuck goons. And you have me on the other side trying to make him go fuck goons. And he eventually went fuck goons because we just trolled him right out of the alliance. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's part of our history. That's what people don't really know is we probably could have recovered and Cartoon could have let us if we had given him a chance. But he was a terrible CEO and a, and a series of terrible CEOs in that period of our time because no one actually wanted to be CEO then. It was kind of like, oh, do I have to take it? Okay. And that was one of those two. And him and Zappa were the, the same way. And that's why that part of our history is kind of a dark one, because we didn't really have any good command and control. Like, we were in flux at that time. We had lost all our old heroes, and we didn't really have any new ones. So can we expect some drama over Christmas? Of what? Can we expect some drama over Christmas? No. Like, we're, we're extremely stable right now. So the only way to get drama is if you, I don't know, set everyone red and, and start some huge fight. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't expect any real drama. This, I mean, maybe you know, not from goons. I don't think you're going to see anything from us for a while. Like we're empire building right now, and we've spammed a zillion citadels. So it's 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 truly stupid now. Actually, like, put up a keep star, right? Yeah. Are so we're not going to see any vengeance or anything from. Over the whole oh, of course. Level. I mean, we always get revenge. Like, that's a given. It's just we do it when it's most effective. Like, what I was trying to tell – who was I explaining this to? I was explaining this to somebody in our leadership. They were always like, man, do you think, like, someone could have killed us with enough isk? And I'm like, yes. If they had had enough isk and they had chosen the right time, isk could be a deciding factor in killing goons. But they didn't choose the right time. Like, you can't do it when someone's at the top, and you can't do it when – someone's bunkered down you got to do it at that perfect drama moment like when they're schisming anyway or they have a they're internally failing like there's a there's a method and a recipe to a failure cascade and 
it seems like only us understands it. I don't know why that is, um, but no one else seems to really get it. And so I, I don't think you're going to see any drama. Um, there's really nothing external we're worried about right now. Uh, so you don't way... think there's going to be some sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, arming uh, organizational-wise on the outside of Goons and um, old players yeah, coming I, back to and stuff? I think, uh, if I can butt in, I think one of the things that might actually drive conflict, perhaps not in the way Caleb and Arith are thinking of, will be the uh, trade network that's going up throughout low with the Keep Stars. I think there is the potential for that to start some uh, big fights in the not-too-far future. It won't be that. It's going to be ECs because they, they drop so much shit that if you can find an oh, EC yeah. building lot, which is easy due to the way indexes can be scouted um, you know, with free intel from across the map, you're going to probably see some big fights over that where Null's going to show up, not necessarily to fight each other, but, you know, you would if you're all on grid anyway. Uh, when those ECs start really cranking and you've got, you know, half a trillion in build and an EC and someone comes and blows it up, that's going to be fun. It's going to be a big space pinata. So we're talking about uh, engineering complexes. Those are going to be uh, generators of conflict. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Citadels aren't going to be the content generators. Like, no one wants to fight over Citadel. Citadel's a good stager, but EC is going to have ISK in it. And this is what people are going to come and shoot. What about the fact that a lot of uh, the Care Bear ind industrial people have been bitching over the fact that the, this whole move actually kills solo industrialism? No, it doesn't. It, no, it doesn't. It's they're just smoking not, crack, they, and they're, they're, they're a they shitty industrial. They, they view it. <laughs> like, there's, like I'm, I'm a solo industrialist, I guess. Like, I'm probably one of the largest producers in EVE, like, hands down, not even close. Um, and I, it's, it, this is only a help. Like, I don't understand why anyone would complain about ECs. Like, I understand a little bit of the complaints about fuel block usage. Like, okay, fine, we can, that, that got tweaked. But to, to say that you can't throw up a, a, a small or a large, or sorry, a medium or a large EC, they're so low in price that if you're any kind of industrialist, you can afford one. Yeah, I think like a large is around five billion or so. So yeah, if if you've got a if you're a solo industrialist or you've got a few outs or whatever, or you're a small industrialist corp, you should be able to afford five bill for a, uh, a large EC. Maybe if you can't drop a medium, then it's they're almost free. It's like plexing a character. Like I, I don't have much sympathy for those industrialists. And well, if you always use a public one, yeah, like I, you know, there's going to be a bunch of public ones that are some. There is, yeah. There's going to be uh, Excels up in high sec, so there's going to be plenty of uh, opportunity for people to use public ECs. Yeah, like the, the only thing people are going to like fight over is the indexes, right? You're going to have to migrate due to index, and that's about it. Yeah, I do think that um, Lenny's, the, the so-called Lenny's trade network um, of Keepstars dotted throughout uh, low sec might cause problems if the uh, extremely loose coalition of people that are meant to be promising not to attack the network, actually, uh, that breaks up a bit, and that can cause some conflict as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, we never promised anything. We were always going to shoot those things. So, yeah, yeah. like, I, I think they'll just die over time, especially if he stays banned, like, whatever. Would it also break the, the, the mercenary blue donut thing, potentially? Yeah. yeah. Wanting high sec? To define that, that's high sec. Uh, mercenary groups are usually allied with one another, so it's yeah, hard to hire them against each other. That's falling apart now. That's uh, fallen apart in the last month or so. Um, so, yeah, that's not a thing anymore. But the low-sec stuff doesn't affect uh, the high-sec mercs. It's more that, uh, you know, the major 
with the exception of goons and test, the major null blocks have got loose agreements to not get involved with uh, fighting the network. So, yes, I don't think that's going to hold together too long. Yeah, any network near us, we're going to kill it. Like, we've we've internally said that. Like, they anyone deploys something like that near us, it's going to die. Why are the uh, mercenaries falling apart? What's the dynamic there? There was a... Uh, there was a dispute over territory, over uh, which one was owning, or which one was operating in which area of uh, HiSec, and one of them thought that the other one broke the agreement, um, and of course the other side thinks it happened the other way around, um, and so they started taking on opposing contracts and taking down citadels, and for example, now around uh, uh, Amar, um, all, all the uh, Fortizars are down now or reinforced. Um, due to this outbreak of uh, mercs fighting each other in high sec. Uh, that's interesting. So, um, going back to um, something we touched on earlier, and that is the uh, TMC or the Imperium.com, I just wanted to make sure that question was answered for uh, viewers. What's the relationship? You said that it is a business on one hand, but it's also a community uh, endeavor on the other? Yeah, so you've got the business, right, that the things need money to run as, as all the other Eve sites are now finding out, you know, we had weaned ourselves off what I'll call the CCP tit a long time ago. Right. Um, we're not a Eve only site. We uh, have money coming in so the site can be self-supporting. Um, we can also support it with ISK if we need to, uh, you know, for like uh, you know, staff payments or whatever. Uh, but it, it functionally as an entity, it's not, it's not the same. It's not Eve. It's not Eve goons on a website. It's it's an Imperium website. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's it's strictly Eve news. Obviously, you can see that from the articles. Uh, it, the community is larger than Eve, so we see it kind of an extension of our culture. But it's not Eve goons necessarily. We don't see it as a political uh, foil. We don't see it as a propaganda machine uh, like I think we see some of the other websites. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's propaganda pieces on there from time to time, but. That's not the focus of the site. The focus of the site isn't to metagame. The focus of the site is to build a community. Is this another self-defense thing then? Another what? Another self-defense, like the idea with the casinos that you basically use it mostly for self-defense against pro propaganda and other media outlets, uh, a massive thing of power. Well, when it first came out, it, that's what it stated goal was to be a counter to uh, games media which was really bad and it was a way of def getting your message out without having to rely on other people writing about uh, goon swarm yeah that's morphed over time like now it, that that's table stakes and now it's much more about can we build a real community around not not such a website but the whole platform whether it's discord or forums or you know whatever um yeah, like, but you don't see that many, unfortunately, you don't see that many EVE articles anymore. And I don't know if that's because there's not a lot going on in EVE. Sometimes I think about writing because there's a zillion topics I could write on and yeah, stories yeah. I can tell. Um, it, it's just a time commitment. That's the problem. It's time, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, it's not really a, an outlet now for getting a counter narrative out. I suppose we can set a narrative with it. But we do use it to highlight issues we think should come to the attention of the community or come to the attention of CUCP, like we think are broken. Um, you know, to promote discussion about it, to get people thinking about it, uh, and to kind of voice in one coherent place uh, a message, right? Because a lot of times it's very difficult to get any sort of intelligent discussion on, you know, non-communities like Reddit or 
or even the Evo forums. It's something where you've got to have kind of a curated, impartial moderator doing comment scrubbing or, or things like that nature. And so in other ways, it's it's that kind of community now. So you can communicate to CCP now through CSM directly, and you also have uh, Imperium News if you wanted to write an article about a broken mechanic or something like that. Um, and it has morphed over time, as you said. It started out as something to defend your group's reputation with, but now it's about uh, mechanizing the uh, holding together of a community. Uh, and now it seems like there's some vindication in this for you guys because we, uh, and I'm part of TMC, but not part of Goonswarm. Um, you guys have seen the uh, destruction of, uh, well, the curbing of gambling or casinos as a money-making operation, which is what supported um, competition, let's put it that way, uh, like EN24 or uh, Crossing Zebras or any other Neocom, any other group that puts out news. Yeah, well, we're the only group standing now with a huge income stream. In and game even, and even with that, I was, uh, I was having a, a bit of a talk with uh, with Raw and uh, Bad Bobby the other day about the whole thing of compensation and payment for for media uh, production and articles, and it's still on a level where it's basically a la laughing matter and an amateur level. And I think uh, INN is reaching a point where it's becoming sort of like a semi-professional fourth estate, right? So what's your thoughts on even higher compensation where it reaches a point where people might actually be properly motivated, especially the ones that couldn't give a damn about 250 million? Is that what it is? I don't know. Yeah, like it's 300 can... now. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I the price war took it to 300, right? But it's still they, peanut, but, right? It but, takes like 10 minutes for most uh, uh, high-end uh, people that might have something to say to make that kind of money. So it's still peanuts. So, Aerith, you don't know how much money uh, you guys are paying out to TMC or uh, I haven't looked at that in so long. Like, I, <laughs> I was involved originally in setting some amounts early on. I didn't realize y'all were being paid 250 or three, whatever the fuck. 300 now. Like, I don't care if we pay a billion article or a couple billion for a good article. Like, that doesn't matter. Can you can you afford that? Because I'm looking for a raise. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm you kidding. tell Minz I said that. <laughs> yeah, I will. The point was that Wall was pointing out that until it reaches something in the realm of a, a billion per good content, it's really not something that, that that gets you out of bed, right? Then go ahead and tell him I said a billion an article. Like it's fine. Go All right, you heard it. For submissions, we'll start paying a billion per article. Get your <laughs> pens ready. Like I don't know why I don't. How, I guess I don't know if he knows because he would have because we have plenty of income. So I, whatever. That's I think what it's I was looking oversight. for. Is like, how much money does Rome have? Or a lot. Like, yeah. Like we're very. Well, it's a, it's a scaling thing, right? The, the 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 higher the pay, the better the quality, the 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 better the potential uh, recruitment thing and brand value creation, and then more revenue, right? So it's not even a bad investment. You could easily uh, defend taking up, it up to a billion and it shouldn't actually hurt you, right? No, I don't need to defend it. I don't, I, I think it's just an oversight. It has nothing to do with, I think, what we could have afforded. It's just no one asked or Mittens didn't think it was an issue. Like, I think if Mittens actually thought, hey, if I pay a billion, I'll get more quality articles, he would probably have done that a long time ago. Do we think Mittens is probably getting pings everywhere now going, yeah, Aris is saying that you're paying a billion per article. Wouldn't matter. He's going to be sleeping. He, if he gets up before noon today, yeah. I'd be shocked. 
He, he won't be up. That's uh, why we... Why we... <laughs> anyway, I wanted to cut through this because... My sampling might be a little bit uh, skewed with the type of people that, that, that I talk to, but I'm, I'm just pointing it out because, of course, you can get newbies to, to, to work for, for peanuts, but uh, all people that uh, have stacks and stacks of risk, they won't really take the time. Well, and that's something important because uh, it seems uh, I was discussing, discussing this with other people and uh, they said, uh, well, probably the reason that there's no writers for things is because um, we burned through a lot of the talent. Like they all got in early, they kind of did their thing, they got out of their system and they no longer want to write. It's too much work. It is a lot of work. That's what I think the real issue is. Like, I don't think it's ISK. Like if it was just ISK, he would have changed it. I think it's motivation. Maybe ISK can motivate a few more like i think that's fair but yeah, real talent think, even a billion like whatever i think one of the the, the strengths of uh, inn is the fact that uh, a lot of the payment is actually in social capital and uh the challenge to write for an organization like that um but of course if if, if that doesn't pay enough right if it doesn't feel as if you're part of something that compensates for the lack of it then isk is a good motivator sure I have no issue with that. <laughs> I feel like we're out of his uh, Aerith's wheelhouse, uh, except the money part. So we'll go back. Well, no, to I mean, I know all about the articles and the submissions. And it's just, to me, this is like a non-problem. Like, this is something easier to mediate. Just no one's been looking at it. I think if Mittens or anyone or myself gave it, you know, 15 minutes of their time, whatever, we could solve the, the article issue. Well, it might be a problem that I'm not in uh, Goon Swarm to kind of see what's going on on that side of the curtain. Uh, which I can now I can see like wow there are some shortcomings like the I'm not completely whole in the organization to be able to push for things I did push for some pay raises and stuff like that but um, yeah I, I don't actually understand what's going on on the other side of that and then that would be probably uh, beneficial for the organization in general if if I knew more about what's going on in Goon Swarm in relationship to TMC but I am like so for the record I'm publicly you know not in their channels, um, you know, talking about finances and stuff like that. Your cabal is how many people big now? Uh, just the finance one? I'd mm -hmm. have to look. Maybe 10. It's not as big as it used to be. We booted several people. Yeah, um, is it still Yeah, active? they went active or whatever. But we only, there's probably only four of us now, five of us that are truly, you know, huge-esque, active, you know, actively manipulating or doing, you know, Marcus Shannon and Eve at any given time. Um, most of us are heavily invested right now, you know, sitting on trillions of whatever investment we're in at the moment, like salvage or minerals or goo or, you know, whatever. So are there other cabals out there? Are you in competition with other groups? Or? Nope. There is no other cabals. It's been a very lonely existence. There's nobody else like you guys in the finance world of EVE. No, unfortunately not. Um, we would love that to be true. Like Tess tried to start up some, what the hell did they call it? I don't even remember what it was called anymore. But it was just a group of industrialists. It wasn't even a group of like super Jews, what we call them. Um, <laughs> well, that's what we call them. Like it's the because there's like the PVE, right? Which in it's not a derogative term, but within uh, goons, we referred to it as Jewing originally, and now we just refer to it as uh, what do they call it? War crabbing or something now? Crabbing. Um, yeah. But then above that, people. So we call those effort people, right? They 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 expend effort, real time time to mine, to rat, to do whatever in EVE, right? They, they do something that expends their time in real life to make money in EVE, right? What we do is we're the thinking ones. We don't, 
we go for that maximum is to time ratio where I might only have to speculate, I'm using air quotes here, a few hours a year. But if that'll churn out a trillion plus for a few hours work, great. That's like the best effort ratio in EVE that, that there will ever be. And so in general, I just try to make, you know, you know, keep it every year being a minimum of a trillion made and then call it a day, right? Uh, that's very passive. It doesn't require a lot of my time. Uh, that way I can invest most of my time in the running the alliance. So like 95% of my time will go to that. And only 5% will be spent making, you know, private wealth or whatever. But uh, you said that you're actually one of the bigger producers. Do you actually produce things? Yeah, but um, so I primarily produce one uh, set of things or it's like four things, but it's in one category, but it requires extremely low time investment. So I do it at such huge scale um, that all I have to do is basically log in, you know, a couple times a month, uh, you know, 20 characters, load all their slots and then log off. Wow. You of, have that all worked kind out. Kind of broken at scale. Um, have you brought any of these things up in uh, the CSM with any of the CCP devs? Well, uh, what kind of things? Well, that there still is these, I don't know if you call it holes, but things that are too easy mode, right? The whole thing about one person being able to scale almost all the demand production of uh, specific items, right? Um, I, I kind of. I brought it up with, uh, during the alpha conversations because one of my big concerns is if they don't give alpha production penalty of some kind, you're going to have people like me that just roll 50 alpha accounts full of products, even if they have less slots. Four or five slots is still plenty of slots. And the opposite is also true, right? That if there's no motivation to produce for alphas, it's useless, right? Then you're basically uh, making them handicapped from the beginning. So, so it, 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 it's more the thing that they need to shift things into active stuff where it's demanding that people are actually sitting there at the computer doing something. And uh, labor strength has not been production. what they've been doing. Like, I'd rather see just like what I had pitched for was like, I would like a 1% penalty on an alpha. Like, not enough to matter, but just enough to know, hey, I'm probably okay producing on Omega still. I will pro if I'm at scale, I'll still make up that plex cost in that 1% over a course of a month. Like, you don't want the optimum path to be don't sub your production all because you have plex cost, right? Th that you don't want that to be the scenario because then all the major producers are going to go, oh, I can save, you know, 10 or 20 billion a month on account costs by just rolling alphas. And yeah, I got to log in twice as much, but okay. You know, like you don't want that to be the scenario, but I don't want to see Eve go into some sort of click fest to make things like that. That wouldn't be a fun experience. Eve is going more casual, not. Oh, that's a big statement. So Eve, you think is going more casual or you don't want it to go more casual? It is going more casual. I, I, I don't think I have a problem with it going more casual, but it definitely is casual like everything ccp is doing is making even more casual game well describe that a little bit what do you mean by that because people are getting older they need more casual because they have more they life commitments so think about like the average time i'll use nullsec for example but i don't want to suggest that it's totally limited nullsec in the past let's say you you're you were in a war with you were on a weekend let's say a saturday morning you knew the ops that day were going to be a minimum of six hours. They usually went eight, ten hours. Like you'd have a tempo where to accomplish things you need to accomplish and to been installed or whatever, you would spend that entire day. And this could happen three times a week. Now you can accomplish everything you need to accomplish from a war perspective in a couple hours. It's, it's faster paced. It's more casual. Uh, you have more frequent interaction but less meaningful interaction. Uh, 
not, I'm not saying that's a good thing. Uh, and you have much more ability to move around the game, whether with nullified interceptors or, or T3s, and, and engage in a way that is convenient for you. And if you just want to move from point A to point B, you can do that with a basically complete safety. Um, that's sort of the things I mean where a casual is. Little changes to Eve make things a lot easier to engage in a very discrete time box, right? Oh, I have an hour? Boom, I can do an hour worth of stuff and I'm out. I don't need to engage for long periods of time anymore. Right, and you have these uh, prime windows that says, if you're going to show up, show up at this time. That and even like, let's say, high sec. Uh, with the industry revamp, they made it very easy for you to get in, spend a ton of jobs, get out, uh, very clean window. Uh, you know, you can use one command and control character easily, you know, with an alt corp to control all the other's jobs. It's, it's very streamlined. It's very simple. Uh, it's very easy to understand. So I think it's only getting ease being easier explained to the players through the GUI. It's getting more convenient. And that's a good thing. That, I, I think that's the only way it survives. But doesn't that make the whole trickle-up economic problem bigger? Uh, potentially. It definitely consolidates more wealth generation capability in the hands of the few. But that's been the case since the beginning of EVE. And you don't think that's something that should be somehow combated? No. I mean, the only way to combat that, and like literally the only way to combat that would be change the effort to ISK ratio, and all that does is punish smaller producers like there's nothing you're going to do to punish a large producer like me that doesn't hurt little ones worse right yeah, like, it, 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 have touched upon that before but what about putting more value into labor that's exactly the thing that you're saying that we should not do because all you're going to do is have the big guys um slave labor their stuff this already happens in reactions to a lot of degree we see this internally all you're going to do is see the people with capital exploit the people without capital. And I've done this myself in the past. I'm guilty. Um, <laughs> it, you're not necessarily going to make the, the effort more valuable because the thing about production, it's very capital intensive. So even if you increase the effort ratio, capital is still going to be your bottleneck to making big isk, right? Because let's say your margin's 5% on a T1 item. That's, it's usually about 4%, but let's just say. If you're if you're slinging around half a trillion in your production wallet, you know that you're churning through every month, having the half a trillion, you know, to generate, you know, twenty five billion, that's the bigger bottleneck. Not finding some guy that's willing to click a few buttons for you or sit at his computer for a couple hours a week and click things for you, like that guy will work for peanuts. Like that poor scrub will work for like two billion a week, and you're making twenty five. So, I hear your point, but there's nothing they can really do that players aren't going to circumvent that just probably makes it even a worse cast system than it is today. Well, what about things like uh, getting a little bit away from the positive feedback exponential uh, growth of different things, right? Get, getting some chaos into the system, more RNG, I don't know, uh, more dynamic, well, with the procedural AI thing, maybe we will get something like that. And especially when, when it comes to things like negative feedback systems. So you don't get that, uh, everything just scales up and scales up and scales up, uh, especially for people that are yeah, very aspy, right? They can really just hack their way through the current system because there's no real chaos, right? I kind of get that, but the, the counter argument to that would be PI. So for people who don't know, PI is a system based on what's called spherical harmonics. Like that's how the heat maps on the planets work. And that's how resources are depleted or rejuvenated, right? 
well, we've mathed all this out a long time ago and actually broke down, like figured out how the code works, like looking at it and seeing how the data is extrapolated. You can figure out how it all works. So that's the system they tried to do with PI. You have a depletion mechanic, like you have too much activity. If you consolidate to all your characters on one planet, you will deplete that planet. Yeah, but they're not competitive, right? There's no real P PvP in that aspect. I think they were supposed to be, but they never got there. Yeah, but it, but it never even really panned out in that regard, even in the in the in the shallow regard. Like it never even did anything. Then you, we saw cramming hundreds of goons on a set of planets. Now you could argue that maybe they should have tuned depletion rates or whatever. But all that happened was everyone knows you spread on the planet, you spread your extractors, and never move because the heat maps are going to move so fast that someone's always on it, right? Um, things like that. It just I get where you're going with it, but I don't see there's a way for them to implement that that's not just going to punish the little guy or make it more difficult to understand the mechanics. So in other, in other words, if you have systems that are constantly in flux so that nobody can just sit on something, then you start to bring in scale, which means if you have 100 people sitting on the same planet, it, you don't have to change anything because you have the whole planet covered. Just some Correct. people are making more than others at that time. At any given day, yeah. That's what we had done in, in DAC. Um, and that's why you got all these uh, flat things in 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 values of uh, things on the market, right? There's no nothing really creates a bottleneck. Nothing really creates a strain. It just stays flat, right? And that's the only thing that is uh, when some big player like yourself goes in and moves it, either with yeah. war or with money, and that's just yeah. there, in my opinion. I don't know. Like I, you can do that though in smaller markets. I'm not down in some little market, so. Um, small industrials can easily manipulate his given market and double his margin or triple his margin for a short period of time. Like I do it all the time in the biggest markets, so I know you can do it in some tiny little market. Um, there's always opportunities for margin expansion in any any market, especially a producer market, and especially anything that's two or three tiers of vertical integration before there's a final product. Um, I, it happens all the time. It, it, is it is it spoon fed to where some guy can be like, I'm going to insert this BPO and and I know it's going to be 7%. Oh, now it's 3%. Now it's 20%. He can do that. It's just not done for him. He needs to actually manipulate the markets, the inputs, and the outputs. That's EVE, though. That's what's cool about the economy of EVE. I just think that there's not that many people playing that EVE, unfortunately. Uh, say that again? There's not that many there's, people playing? That, that kind of EVE. So oh, that most kind. people that play EVE are here to shoot spaceships. Like I see EVE as a big spreadsheet. Um, so when I log into the game, my client is set up in such a way that it's a, basically a spreadsheet. I see lines of assets. I see lines, market orders, you know, that kind of thing. I see wallet entries. I don't experience even almost any other way except running from, you know, one dock to the next. Like I don't undock for, you know, less than 10 billion is kind of the rule. Um, it, it, it's just a different kind of Eve that a lot of people don't see. Uh, and a lot of people would say, well, I wouldn't enjoy that. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but there are people that do, but it's a point, it's a part of Eve that doesn't get any attention. You don't see articles about it. You never see, you know, stories of exploits about it. It's just this hidden part of Eve, but it's probably the deepest part of the game that I found. And it doesn't get, stop getting any deeper. Like the more wealth you get, the deeper it gets. It's kind of fun. That's, that's why you're here. Really the selling point, right? If, if, if uh, CCP keeps moving it towards some casual thing, or I don't know, League of Legends in space or something like that, right? The whole unique selling point that Eve started out with the, the, the logistics frames, the organizational frames, the, the, the raw material uh, bottlenecks and all these things, 
if they make these more and more casual, why would I want to keep playing Eve? Because making them more casual doesn't mean that there aren't bottlenecks. It doesn't mean that there's infinite supply. Like to your point around market scarcity or whatever, I think is the point you're trying to make. That's drilling platforms. Like I think you need to wait and see what drilling platforms do to the meta. Because I suspect they're going to dramatically change the the how things are sourced. I mean, you could. So back when we did, um, you know, the cartel, right? OTEC, um, we had a very coherent strategy. You know, I guess it was all my plan, but the plan was very simple. We were going to cartel uh, the supply of something that almost no one else had access to. And it worked extremely well. We took tech to 200K isk a pop. Today it's at 3K, whatever. Extremely effective cartel. And CCP had to nerf us multiple times. And even though we told them we were only doing it to make them nerf it, it was hilarious. Um, but that was fundamentally a thing about player communities deciding we're going to do this market thing and we're going to do it on a huge scale. I think you're going to be able to see that again post-drilling platforms. You're going to be able to see people say, well, what if I don't send my entire region's output to GDA? Like, what if I can rally my people, and this would be hard, but let, what if I can rally my people to send it all to my local market? I can then consume those taxes. I can then get the fees on it being sold and the goods coming back to market and those being sold and more effectively control the price in GDA because I have a much lower market cap in GDA. So then you send your cabal to GDA and those people influence prices of that thing and that's what we do already today but i think you're going to be able to see it go to a whole other extreme i think my point is a little bit uh, inspired by well soundwave used to say that uh, he would have preferred that there was hardly any titans in eve and i think we're seeing eve develop into a point where i in a pen and paper role-playing game i would usually just scrap everything and start over because it's not funny anymore when you're writing a gold dragon and you have three more eggs in the stable or stuff like that. It's gone totally overpowered and it's not challenging anymore, at least not for the people that make the game. And they seem to be bored, right? So putting uh, gate cams of titans, it's like that was not really the intention. Can, can we maybe, I don't know, do a, a rollback or something? No, I mean, I, I think your, your, your central complaint is the money hall problem. There's always more, there's always, always more. But that, that's just, that's what's going to happen in a mature game. Like, the, if CCP, the only thing CCP could do realistically, because they're not going to do a server wipe or their game's gone, right? We're all gone. Like, no one's going to restart yeah. EVE. That's a fallacy. Um, but what they could do is introduce deflationary things. Um, you know, they could move Plex to the Aurum shop, which they should do, and I don't know why they haven't done it. Three currencies is stupid. Let's go to two currencies. Um, they could do deflation. They absolutely could do that. It looks like they're trying to do that to some degree. You can see that um, they're closely watching their, you know, the ratting income charts and, and what Titan ratting is going to do because Titan ratting is off the hook. Um, <laughs> and yeah, there's things they can do. I'm not sure that the cure is worse than disease. Like you don't want to enter deflation, like true deflation, unless the Eve is truly starting to go on that downward spiral. If you think you're about to have a whole bunch of alphas come in, you need it still to be an inflationary economy. It's just also because of, of things like wars, right? If you're rolling over uh, PL and, and, and they get huge hits, right? If it's just pushing space and, just, and then just uh, building new stuff and there's no real strain to it, no real damage done, then it's not really entertaining anymore. Yeah, but you got to remember then there was B-R where they had to go and lick their wounds for over a year or more. Because it was such a huge, you know, kick in the nuts. Um, those can still happen, but yeah, like 
there's not going to be a single battle unless it's B dash R size that's going to make a null sec power block like me, like our goons or or the PL finance guy and them flinch. Right? There's too much is flowing around for that. You can do a long period of attrition warfare, which is why I'm advocating for meat grinder warfare to come back. The reason finance doesn't matter so much now is not just because people are rich, but because there's no losses. Like, think about how many big yeah. fights are their losses a year. Three or four, maybe. They, they yeah. pass, you know, 300 billion or so. And if and that... And if, there was a, and if there was more strain, if there was some uh, more bottlenecks in, 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 in production of stuff, and you actually reached the point where more things got destroyed and was put back into the system, you would have something to fight over. And I'm just hoping that, that structures might bring this into the game. I'm just not... Yeah, really that's EC. Like, people are going to fight over ECs because there's going to be a lot of ISK and things that's going to drop. Like, there's going to be a reason to shoot that thing. Like, if you can think of Titans where the crap might drop, you're going to shoot it. Yeah. Well, we're wrapping up the show because uh, we've gone a couple hours and... Uh, we did have some uh, technical issues earlier, but uh, we want to yield time. Uh, so I want to thank Aerith for showing up. One last thing before we go. I don't know if this is quick, but what do you think of the new Rorkel? Uh I think it's overpowered as hell, but it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, we have a great deal of people in our alliance training like 30 characters at a shot to pilot these things. It's it's going to be a little silly, but hey, let's, eat. let's have fun with it. Yeah. What do you think it's going to do to the mineral uh, prices? Uh, probably exacerbate the fall we're already seeing uh, for the short term. It, it's not until you start seeing drilling platforms that uh, you're going to see that balance out. For the short term, prices will definitely be depressed. Uh, but eventually, long term should be good because there's so much that's going to be going into these engineering platforms. Well, it's more that the baseline logistics required to mine and null is going to go up substantially when goo presumably goes to active mining. Uh, and if that's the case, that as long as CCP gets the ratio correct, where you know goo and some, you know it, it it doesn't mine enough to where it drops the isken hour ludicrous or raises minerals or whatever, it'll be okay. Um, that will reset the prices back because I think the prices of like Zid and Mega they probably belong like double where they're. Uh, ideally, I'd like to see them go back to the old values because back in the day when we mined, you know, you know Crockite and Syndicate, uh, you would see Zidrine at forty six hundred. And mining and ratting were very equivalent back then. Um, and Mega was, you know, 6 to 8K. But I don't think they're going to necessarily go that high. But I would like to see them go, you know, double or triple where they're at. And if CCB gets the ratios right, that will happen. But it's all about sticking that landing. And I don't think they're going to stick it, but I think they might get it close. Well, that's amazing. After two hours, I have a ton of questions that uh, we could go on. But we'll have to have you back sometime. Um, to uh, go over those. It's such a uh, pleasure talking with you because uh, Eve doesn't get played at this level by very many people. So it's interesting. Uh, Caleb and Reaver, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Aerith. Um, we are now going to um, continue the marathon with McLeod, who's coming on next. And uh, as far as uh, talking in stations, that's it for us. We will see you next week. <laughs>